Most of you have read Leviticus 23, 26 through, what is it, 30, I believe, which talks about Yom Kippur. Let's just do kind of a review of it. Number one, we're to make an atonement before Adonai. Two, we are to be in a holy convocation that is a service like this. Three, we're to humble ourselves, we're to afflict ourselves, we're to deny ourselves. Four, we're to give an offering by fire. And I just always pray when I see that, that it would be the fire of our heart and mind that we would be on fire for the Lord. I just, that would be a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Number five, no kind of work, a solemn rest day. Number six, we do this forever. Um, we're called to do this each year and forever. And it's from evening to evening. So, Yom Kippur is all about repentance. And unfortunately, a lot of our people don't think they have sinned because they haven't killed anybody and they haven't stolen. And so they don't realize what a sin is. And even in James where it talks about that, uh, they probably wouldn't recognize it because it says, if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, for you, that's sin. Well, for us, we're very sin conscious, hopefully. Hopefully, I say. But there's a large segment of population, certainly in the Jewish population, but also in the non-Jewish population, where people think they're good people. And I understand that I felt that way before I knew the Lord. I was a good person. And if you would have asked me if I was a sinner, I would have told you no. It kind of happened backwards with me. You know, usually people realize their sin and receive Yeshua. I realized Yeshua and found out I was a sinner. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart diligently, for from it flows the springs of life. Proverbs 27.19, as water reflects the face, so a person's heart reflects the person. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. We know that in Isaiah, we, that sin separates us from God. And we see in James 1.14, this is one of, this scripture just speaks, you know, there's certain scriptures that speak into your heart. You just feel what they're saying. And James 1.14 and 15 is that, like that for me. Each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. I, I just picture that. It, it's, it's. Then, when desire has conceived, 
it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. We're not talking about physical death, though I'm sure sin could bring forth physical death. We're talking about the death of our spirit. The death, we're talking about that which makes us feel empty. That kind of death that doesn't have joy. We don't have joy because we've allowed sin to enter. And picture how it's grown. You know, it, 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 it tempts you first. Then you drag it into a place of your own desire and it becomes conceived there. It gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it's awful. It's awful. Because sin's pleasure is for a moment. But the, the punishment for sin, living with sin, is usually agony. Sin is the greatest barrier to a life of true love, joy, peace, contentment, and hope. When I think of the model prayer to repent, I, th I always think of Daniel 9. Daniel 9 is an amazing model. And you know, the beauty of this is, there. well, there are a number of beautiful things in this prayer. But one of the things is that the fact is that after this prayer, Daniel gets probably the greatest, one of the greatest prophecies in the entire Bible, which is when Messiah will come. And, and so, looking at Daniel 9, 1 and 2, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of Median descent, who was made king over the realms of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books that according to the word of Adonai to Jeremiah the prophet, the number of the years for fulfilling of the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70 years. So Daniel's praying and he gets this sense because he, he's, he knows this scripture. He's been reading the word of Jeremiah and realizing that it was from God. And, and he's, the reference is to Jeremiah 25, 11, so this whole land will be desolate and ruined, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. How can you not believe in God when there are these kinds of prophecies in Scripture? How can you not believe? Well, Daniel saw it in Jeremiah, and so, and in Jeremiah 29, 10, it says, uh, for thus says Adonai, after 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will visit you and fulfill my good word toward you to bring you back to this place. What an amazing prophecy. And it's so specific and it's so clear. So Daniel didn't say, hey, God, we're still here. What's the problem? 
But in verse 3, he says, I set my face to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. It was about him and his glorious works. It wasn't about actually what he was going to do. It was really about who he was. Repentance begins with humility. So he confessed his sin and Israel's sin, and and no excuses, no rationalizations, didn't say his sin was less than the rest of the people, which it probably was, and just amazing integrity, didn't separate, separate himself from the sins of the people. Repentance shows passion in one's heart. Repentance is not an obligation. It is a move of your heart to make things right that were wrong. Keep it simple. Daniel 9, 4 and 5, I prayed to Adonai my God and confessed, saying, O Lord, great and awesome God, because part of, of praying to God is to acknowledge who he is, and he is great and awesome, who keeps covenant and mercy. So not only this is who he is, but this is what he does. And with those who love him and keep his mitzvot, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity. We have acted wickedly. We have rebelled. We have turned away from your laws, your misvote, and from your rulings. Repentance includes magnifying God. Repentance acknowledges the character of God. Repentance admits with intensity and of repetition uh, of our sins. And so Daniel 6, 9, 6 says, We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name, to our kings, our leaders, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Because repentance includes acknowledging that God has sent people into our lives and we didn't listen to them. And it goes on through seven, and we won't read all of it, but Daniel 9.13, as it's written in the Torah of Moses, all this calamity came upon us. Yet we have not sought the favor of Adonai Elohim by turning away from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. So even in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on, we blamed God but we didn't turn to him. We didn't turn away from our sins. And in Daniel 9, 16 and 17, Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, let your anger and your fury turn away, please, from Jerusalem, your city, your holy mountain, because of our sins and our iniquities of our Father. What I'm saying to you is this. If you would ever like to know how to pray then pray this for a month or two and you will get a sense of how to pray to God because this has all those attributes of what I believe God wants to hear from us, including the passion. But it's not about me, it's about us. 
And that's what Daniel is doing. He's praying for the people. He's praying for Israel. He's praying, as as Eric talked about, the reputation of the Lord uh, Saturday. He's praying so that the reputation of the Lord is upheld. Daniel 9, 18 and 19. Give ear, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation in the city caused. Call by your name. We do not present our supplications before you because of our own righteousness, but because of your great compassions. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Oh, my God, do not delay. For your city and your people are called by your name. What will everybody else be thinking if our God does not set us free from this bondage and bring us back into the land? Repentance is characterized by humility, yet fervency, passion, integrity, confidence through faith that God will do what you're asking. But really, it's not that you're asking that much because most of your time is spent in terms of who God is and what he does and, and, and all of his greatness and, and your thankfulness and, and so on, and, and your concern for everybody. So ask yourself these questions. Are my actions and my attitude helping others to see God? Are my actions and attitudes giving God glory? Have I truly repented of my sins? Am I holding on to the sinful habits such as bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness? Am I humble or do I feel that I'm better than others in my heart? We know better than to say we're better. But we're not, we don't know better to think we're better. Right? Second Chronicles 7.12, then Adonai appeared to Solomon. That's another one. I just love his prayer. Uh, just so great. These are the two, two uh, go-tos, I think, when we're talking about praying and repenting. Adonai appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself for a house of sacrifice. I feel that God has chosen you and me. And yet, have we fully repented? Because repentance doesn't just mean I'm sorry. It means I'm turning back to you, Lord, and I'm going to try to the best of my ability with the strength that you've given to me not to sin any longer. That's what repentance is. And the United States in particular was founded. You know, they're really... Let me interrupt my thought here. There are really only two countries that are founded by God that I know of. One is Israel and the other is the United States. And 
You know, we were talking at Rosh Hashanah when we were doing the tashlik and throwing the breadcrumbs. And then there's some people who didn't realize that that bay used to be called the Bay of the Holy Spirit. We need to rise up again. I, you know, one of my prayers right now is, Lord, what do I do? I mean, besides praying, besides what we do here, what do we do to help this nation come back to the Lord, to be back on track? Because we are in deep trouble. Deep, deep trouble. And as much as we have lots of enemies around the world, the enemies at home are what really are, are, is hurting us. So we have to pray. We have to repent. We can blame various politicians but I can guarantee you that blaming them will do zero good. So every time you want to blame a politician, throw your shoe at the TV, pray instead for them. We'll get much more out of that. Second Chronicles 7.14, you all know it. When my people over whom my name is called, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from my wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It's just one of many prescriptions for us to follow as to how to see our land healed. This Yom Kippur, we should decide that this year we are not just going to be worried, we're not just going to be concerned about our country, or by, about our family, or whatever it is that is concerning us. But we're going to pray. We're going to repent. We're going to repent for them and for ourselves and pray. Now, when you read the various scriptures of prayer by Daniel and by Solomon, there is no blaming in that prayer. So it's not like, oh, I want to pray for whoever because, Lord, I know they shouldn't have done this and it's awful that, you know, and go into a whole thing and, and just work yourselves up about what they did. No. Prayer is a product of trusting God. Prayer is a product of trusting God. So what we have to do is pray God into situations and ask him 
to transform people's lives for his glory. We need to see people change. But we cannot be the judge, nor can we be the one who provides the punishment. But we are the ones who call upon God to do his will in those people's lives. And we know that God wants everyone saved. If we think about Yom Kippur, it's best understood, and we read this recently in Hebrews 9, 13 through 15. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's what I want. I want Yeshua to cleanse my conscience in order for me to serve the living God. I want to be clean. I want to be clean. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant in order that those called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. I pray that people will want their eternal inheritance. Living with God forever versus, as it says in Daniel, living in shame and contempt It's a choice. The beauty of this choice is that it changes our lives now. So I pray that if you have never received Yeshua as your Messiah, you would do so now by repenting, by saying, Lord, I am sorry. Not only am I asking you to come into my life, Yeshua, and be my atonement, but I am going to seek not to sin any longer, and I'm going to dedicate my life to you. Father, I pray that if anybody has said that, if their heart is beating in such a way that, that God is talking to them through a beating heart, through that sense of, I've got to do this, this is my way to abundant life. This is my solution for salvation. This is my way of cleansing, not just my body, but my spirit, my mind, my heart. I don't want to have all that garbage blocking me from having good relationships and living a, a fruitful life. So Yeshua, come into my life. I pray for each one here that this Yom Kippur 24 hours will be 24 hours of a breakthrough. Wherever we are with the Lord, we can be better. And so I'm asking that wherever we are, 
Lord, help us to be better. If we're doing great, help us to do greater. If we're doing terrible, help us to do well. And anything in between. But I'm asking you, Lord, to change us. Open our hearts and our eyes and our mind to your power and to your glory. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.